Wealth Within offers a range of investment and educational services to help you secure your financial future. Whether you're an aspiring trader or simply want to increase the strength of your portfolio, Wealth Within are dedicated to maximising your investment returns. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst at Wealth Within. Uh, today I'm going to continue our series on Learn Share Market Basics and I, I believe this will be part five of this series and I hopefully, hopefully you've enjoyed parts one to four and really the series is really about teaching just the, really the basics of what the share market's about. I know there's the majority of phone calls we get in here are people um, contacting us really just want to understand the basics of the share market. So um, if you haven't listened to the first four, please go back and, and have a listen to them. Um, they're not necessarily in sequential order, so you can listen to them in, in any order that you like. But today I'm going to discuss a few more concepts, and, and one of them is obviously the annual report. Now, uh, the annual report is a financial report or a statement issued by a publicly listed company, and publicly listed company is anything any company is listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. So it's not a private company. Private companies like Wealth Within aren't listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. That's why we've got um, Proprietary Limited after our name. So this, uh, so an annual report is listed by a public company because what it needs to do is be open with its disclosure to the general public. In fact, uh, so in terms of what are they doing, what's their financial reports, what's their profit and loss, etc., etc., so that people looking or who may be looking to buy the shares have got an understanding of what the company's doing and, and what its profits are. And, and obviously the shareholders who actually own the company uh, or own shares in that company need to know what it's actually doing as well. Um, and the end report really contains profit and loss statements, balance sheets, a statement of cash flows, um, notices of the annual general meeting and, and you know all sorts of business resolutions that were discussed, etc. what they're going to do in the, in the future. And in the past, there have been really nice glossy brochures, you know, about you know, half a centimetre, sometimes a centimetre thick, some of those things. And, and they're really, to me, sometimes to me, they're a bit of a marketing document. Um, so hey look we're doing great and all the really good stuff's in the fine print that you really can't understand uh, nowadays they're sending more annual reports uh, via email uh, or PDF basically obviously to save paper but because of electronics um, but you can still get them in the mail but um, if you own shares in a company then you're entitled to get the annual report because you actually own a percentage of that company and you need to do that if you're looking to buy a company uh, or buy a, a share in a company on the Australian Stock Exchange you can actually request a copy of their annual report from the company uh, themselves and they, they're obliged to send that out through to you so you can do your research on them and they can be very good for the research there. A uh, couple of things, I'll, uh, I'll move on to some other things at the moment. We've got things like the business cycle. Now, while traditionally not necessarily about shares in, in strict terms, really the business cycle is something that the whole share market runs around. It's also known as the economic cycle, and some people who've done economics at school uh, or university will have come across this and obviously studied business. And really it's a rise and fall of an economy from peak to trough, um, so we have you know bull markets and bear markets or we have boom times and depressions and really that's what the business cycle is about and so understanding where the business cycle is can help you when to invest in shares when to move into property or cash and um, you know when to, to get these investments going and whether you should be leveraging or not leveraging so it's quite interesting to to grab a book and there are a few books around about the business cycle so if you're not sure what it is be good to grab a book and, and learn a little bit about that 
obviously capital capital um, is another term that you might hear from brokers or from wherever you go but the capital really is your funding for whatever investment that you're going to do um, so your capital assets to operate a business for example you might want to open up a um, a hairdressing salon or a fish and chip shop you need capital to go into that to purchase all the equipment etc so when I talk about investing if you want to buy an investment property what capital are you putting in what money are you going to put in to buy that property you're going to put up you know, 10 or 20 or 30 percent or the 100 percent of that and it's the same with the shares what what capital or cash that you're going to put into that uh, we move on to capital gains tax now it's a word we often hear and, and this is quite a common one for me uh, for me to get as far as a question is you know um, if I'm a trader and investor what am I going to do what kind of tax am I going to pay now obviously capital gains tax is one of those now ta- uh, capital gains tax is a tax on a profit from a sale of a capital asset such as your shares now if you own investment property you'll also pay capital gains tax because it's also an asset and capital gains tax is something uh, you get the, at this point in time in Australia you get a 50% discount on that if you hold the asset for more than 12 months so if you buy a share and you hold it for more than 12 months and then you go to sell it whatever your capital gains tax that you had payable on that is half now it's the profit less inflation so they take in, into consideration inflation so if you bought a share at $10 um, and it went up to $15 by the time you sold it in let's say two years time that means you've made a $5 profit or 50% profit uh, that $5 would be subject to capital gains tax less inflation and costs you know cost of brokerage cost of um, holding that asset um, in inflation and obviously any other worthwhile cost that um, business cost of running that investment that you could actually take um, traders actually don't pay capital gains tax it's a different ball game with traders if you're classified and under a tax Gee, um, I can't even think of the word. Uh, if you're classified as a trader under the tax laws, is it really? It's just it's like any business where you're buying and selling. So any any profits you made would be like treated as income in a business. So you've got income and expenditure. So you buy you buy shares, which is like your stock in a shop. So you buy some stock, and if you sell that stock for a higher price and put your margin on it, in theory, uh, with a trader, their margin is what profit or loss that they actually made on on that item uh, or that share so uh, once they sell the share they've got income coming back in and that's the difference between your expenditure and your income and then your tax on that just like any business so that's how a trader works in a different way to what an investor works an investor will pay capital gains tax traders generally don't uh, and, and in theory you can be both at the same time you might have a super fund that's charged capital gains tax and you might have um, a short-term portfolio, medium-term portfolio that you actively trade, and that may be deemed as trader. So it might be a different entity because any individual can have inter- different entities. You can be a, a, a sole trader or person, um, or a partnership, or you know, with say your husband or your wife. You can also be a proprietary limited company, um, or you could be a super fund or a family trust. There's all different entities that you can invest through, depending on what's best for you. When you're getting into, if you're getting into that area where you want to invest as a company or as a family trust, you've got trustees and all sorts of things you need to look at as well. But I won't go too deep into that because there are a couple of good books out there on, you know, running a company as an investment or, or setting up family trusts, etc. Actually, one one book that I actually love and I recommend to a lot of people in invest in the investing area is a book called. It's written by a gentleman called Dale Gotherham Goss, and it's called Wealth magic and what it is it's uh, the book you can go to his website just type in Gatherham Goss um, Wealth Magic is all about oh, sorry not Wealth Magic 
Trust Magic. That's I got to get it right. Well, I got wealth on my brain because that's our name. Um, Trust Magic, um, and it's not necessarily a cheap book, but it goes through all this stuff for companies and family trust for investors, and it's very much from an investor's point of view, um, and an excellent book for for you to read if you're getting into that. You know, you're wanting to set up. Uh, you know, say you're in your coming to the end of your working life, and you want to set up set yourself up for the future, or you know, maybe you're starting up. Where's it? Where is it worth setting up a family trust? So. Um, very good book, as I said, to, to go and read. Um, I think I'll stop this podcast here and break it into two, otherwise it's going to get too long. Um, hopefully you enjoyed this part one, and I look forward to chatting with you on part two. I'm Dale Gillan, the Chief Analyst at Wealth Within. Take care. Talking Wealth was brought to you by Wealth Within. To learn how you too can maximise your investment returns, call 1300 SHARE TRADE.